What's up, bro? Are you there? Yeah, bro. What's up? Oh, not too much. All right. Sorry about that. I always forget to put my fucking headphones on whenever I'm doing one with somebody. Whenever I'm recording by myself, I don't have them on. But what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Wise Guys Hideaway. I'm your host, Ian Barr. Tonight, joined with me by my boy, James Ramirez, Paul Ramirez, Paulie Walnuts, whatever he wants to call himself. Say what's up, bro. What's up? What's good, everybody? <laughs> we out here doing it. We out here. How's everybody down there in Texas, bro? Chilling, bro. You know, doing their thing, doing their thing, trying to maintain this whole virus thing and shit like that. You know how it goes. How quarantined are you guys down there? Because like Michigan's kind of taking it as a joke. They really shouldn't be. I mean, I did a PSA the other night. They really shouldn't be. But we're just all up here smoking weed, getting drunk, and like having parties. We shouldn't be having. What's going on in Texas, bro? <clears throat> excuse me. Let me just put it this way, bro. The school year for the kids is pretty much over. Uh, the governor okay. of Texas just signed uh, an executive order for, like, the kids to go back in May. But, like, a m- month later after that, they get out of school. So there's really no point in them going back. So, I mean, I really don't understand it. I mean, there's still people, like, out on the roads, like, for jobs and stuff like that. But You guys still got like- a lot of people working. You were working until, like, a couple days ago, weren't you? Yeah, bro. Um, till about Sunday, I think. Sunday, no shit. Yeah, yeah bro. So... Other than that, bro, I mean, it is what it is. Just got to roll with it for right now. Just praying that everybody just gets better and shit like that, you know? Yeah, no, I feel you, man. Like I said, that's why I did that PSA. I mean, I'm really being no better. I'm out here doing podcasts. I had my boy on the other night and <laughs> shit like that. But, like, I mean, I don't know. It's people I guess I trust or people I guess if they get me sick, like, I love them. And, like, hey, if they're who take me out, so be it. But people are out here being stupid, licking toilet seats and shit. You guys are, you guys are fucking dumb, man. Like, take this a, just a little more seriously. Just a little more soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. I mean, but like I said, it is what it is. But but like I said, bro, you've been killing it with these podcasts, bro. You really have, bro. The, the I, pre- I appreciate that, man. Like, for real, bro. Like, you killed it with that Genovese part one. That's why I'm glad you're doing a part two. So I was thankful when you asked me to join. I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. Let's get it going. Well, I don't I mean- know a few I mean, yeah, oh, you do you know plenty, man. You've been in this you've been in this game just like I have. We like the youngest ones in like the groups and shit like that. Like we're on the younger side. Everybody's like 30 something up. I'm like I'm shit chatting with like 40 something year old, 70 something year old like ex-wise guys, man. I'm just some fucking kid <laughs> from Michigan. For real. I mean, that's how it is, bro. That's, I feel the same way, but I'm from Texas, so I mean, it is Hey, man, it is. it's Texas is a dope state too. I, I put Texas in my in my top ten toughest states. Michigan goes up there. Texas is up there. New York, you in there? I'm not gonna name all of them. Otherwise, I'm not gonna have any fans after this. They'll be like, "Oh, <laughs> fuck you, bro. You, t- you said Kansas ain't about it." So, <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we uh we gonna get into this right now. If if you didn't listen the other night. I did a Vito Genovese part one. I'm probably going to honestly redo Frank Costello and Lucky Luciano. I mean, if, if you want to join me on those two, Paul, along with Tommy Lucchese, by all means, I got nothing but time right now. Yeah, I'm but, the same with you right now, bro. I got nothing but time. But I'm down <laughs> to do the, the, the Lucchese one because I know I'm uh, I know I run the group on Facebook, so – yeah, yeah, the to- yeah, Tommy Lucchese and the Lucchese family and all that. So yeah. I know that was supposed to be our original one, but I mean, good old Vinny the librarian wouldn't get back to me about doing Genovese with me. Like he's, I'll be real, he's who I wanted. He's a Genovese fanatic. The dude is tattooed on his leg. Like, <laughs> yeah, like he's hardcore. Like all those dudes, like Danny and Jason, yeah. they're all hardcore. Yeah. Shout out to all those dudes, though. For real, those. Shout out to all those guys, man. They're hardcore. For real. Fun. 
they're hardcore, but hey, they come through yeah. with that shit, though, bro. Like, for real, though. Some of the pictures Danny gets blow my fucking mind, bro. <sighs> that dude is something else, though, bro. <laughs> good guy. For real. Yeah, he's a good, good guy. guy, though. Before but, we get into all this uh, Vito Genovese part two here, I got to give a couple of my, my shout-outs, though. You know how it goes. Uh, shout-out to Arthur Clothing Apparel, Gunnar Lindblom, uh, Scott M. Bernstein, the author of To Be uh, – not To Be a King. That's not Scott. That's, that's Gunnar, To Be a King's Volume 1 and 2, so shout-out to Gunnar on those. But Scott M. Bernstein, he's the author of Motor City Mafia, which uh, the Detroit group I run on Facebook, pretty much every picture and every sentence I steal, I guess, plagiarize, whatever <laughs> you want to call it, comes from Scott. Like, Scott's the fucking man. He's got the original Gangster Podcast. I'm really trying yeah. to get him on here, but, I mean, you know. But big shout-out to all those guys, you know. Wouldn't be here without him. Big shout-out to my boy that's on here with me right now. Like, we've been doing this thing together for a minute. We started the Gambino family group together, and, I mean, just moving forward from there. Bro, I still remember that, bro, when we first started that group, bro. When you said you got to be okay from, from all the other administrators, I was like, let's yeah, get cracking. Yeah. Let's like, get let's it cracking. Let's do it, bro. Got like ten thousand members now. I like it. It's good. I mean, it grew a wild on there. I don't really have time for Facebook anymore. I'm trying Twitter and all that shit now. But I mean, it was fun still. Yeah, I'm. I'm right, Richie, bro. <laughs> <laughs> what are you? Are you blowing up over there? Are you just blowing your nose? I'm just blowing my nose. Sorry, bro. My bad. <laughs> are you good? I was just all like, God damn! I wish he was in the studio with me. <laughs> yeah, bro. That's why. That's what I wish too. I was like, I need to get somewhere where I can just be quiet, like you know. No, you're good, man. You sound hey, you sound great. I got my headphones on. You, you don't sound bad at all. It sounds good. All right, cool. <laughs> all right, so let's do this. Last we left Vito, Vito had fled to Italy for uh, a murder, and he was sort of hiding out. If you didn't join us last time, Vito's family moved here when he was around 15. He instantly started joining up with street gangs, ruthless thugs. I mean, you Google Vito Genovese, you see that stare in his eyes as a young man, and you knew he wasn't playing no fucking games, bro. <laughs> no, no. He was a six son of a bitch is what he was. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he really was. I mean, I got nothing but respect for him, but, like, yeah, he uh, he was definitely twisted. Yeah, he was. The book I'm reading right now, the Veloci Papers, I know I'm barely getting started on it, but from what the details that, that they gave in that book, you just, the whole Genovese family is just out there. Like, they're just hardcore. <laughs> like, they're just, they're number one. They're the elite. Yeah. Like. Yeah, they're the Ivy League. They, uh, yeah. the Joe Coffee. Joe Coffee was always like, they're the Ivy League. They're the Ivy League of the, of the, of the organized crime families. I'm talking like Joey Diaz. It doesn't even sound like Joe Coffee, but like, <laughs> but nonetheless, that's what I've always heard too. Yeah, bro. Um, according, to, you read the Five Families book, correct? Yeah, I read the Five Families book. I never, I haven't gotten the Velachi papers yet. I gotta order it. But yes, I've read the Five Families. Well, according to the author, that. Swollen Rob, I believe. Sorry if I butchered. Yeah, Swollen Rob. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how to. I don't know how to properly pronounce it. I don't think anybody does. Yeah, but um, hold, sorry about that, bro. But yeah, close oh, you to good. Him, bro. Um, they're they're pretty much forceful, and they have like over two hundred fifty made members and fourteen active crews. But the data was based in two thousand five, so it might be might be even larger today. You know, with growing populations and stuff like that so. yeah no i i agree i think organized organized crime is uh kind of on a on a second wave right now like i mean 2001 happens and you get all all the like the terrorist acts and like it drops down from i think 250 agents on like 1200 guys to like 50 agents on yeah. 1200 guys you just you can't keep up you can't keep up you can't i mean they're just it's just it, 
we've got families in New Jersey, Philadelphia, other factions. I mean, it's just don't do they have a faction in Boston, or am I thinking of something else? I think you're thinking of, if I'm correct, I think it's the Patricia family. Um, yeah, no, the Patricia family. I knew I knew they were out in Boston, but I thought Genovese, like I thought like Genovese and Gambino, and I think oh, even Casey. Yeah. Kind, I think they just like kind of have branches almost everywhere. Yeah. Like they might be subtle, but like they're except in like Cleveland, Chicago you know, Milwaukee, Detroit, like, you know, the Midwest, the whole, like, we don't, you know, we don't talk like with them out there, you know, we just kind of talk like, Hey, you want some milk? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure that they do. Oh shit. Well, nonetheless, after Vito flees to Italy, uh, he aligns himself with Mussolini. He, he did back the fascist party. He made a lot of money under those guys, Yeah, he but did. eventually he the allies, what's up? I said, I was going to say, he just made a lot of money with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he uh, uh, I was reading something. Anna Genovese said when he was running the Italian lottery, the numbers racket, as we know it, when he was living in Italy during that time, apparently he was like he was just raking in like a mil a year or something like that. And this is during wartime and like Depression era shit. Like, it's crazy, bro. I'm surprised that um, he aligned himself with um, Mussolini. Mussolini. Yeah, I'm surprised he really did that. I mean, I, yeah, I see. I don't know. Every time I read up about Vito, I'm not, man. He would, like you said before, he was hardcore. He didn't even like work, working with like Rothstein or Lansky or Siegel because no. they were Jewish. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, real, he was real, like, Sicilian for Sicilians, like, you know, real into his own people. And I mean, I can respect that, but it was like, I don't know. That's where I guess Luciano and Costello were more visionaries than Genovese. But I mean, they needed Genovese. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> yeah, because after. Um... Veloci, well, according to the Veloci papers, the the focal point was when Joe Veloci um, testified. He was basically saying that Genovese was the copy, capo de, de capo de, de copy. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry, 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 dude. I botch the Italian language on here all the time. If Vincent Apper or anybody who speaks it fluently listens to me, they're like this fucking guy. Like, yeah, like I'm sorry to anybody out there if I offend them, but. That's just what I've been reading up on. I mean, um, no, yeah, I remember when Valachi's in front of the Senate committee uh, on the videos and stuff. He's, uh, I mean, he's real hard to understand. I mean, Valachi's got like an IQ of twenty six. Guys, you got to remember. Yeah. If anybody like goes and Google's the Valachi's stuff after this, you got to remember he's a real simple guy. He's just a head knocker. He's just a real street guy. So like, it's, it is kind of hard to decipher some of the things he says. But I remember hearing that too. That when they were like, "So you're telling me." Like, especially in that old time. That old time television talk where they're like, so you're telling me that Genovese <laughs> runs all the organized crime in America? And, and Joe Valachi's like, oh, what I'm telling you right now here, Senator, what I'm telling you now, this is my doom. Like, yeah, I remember that bit. Oh, you like that, huh? You like that old time? You're like, oh, hey, oh, oh, welcome to the 1950s, huh? Like, <laughs> Bobby Kennedy interviewing him and everything yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> so you're telling me, Mr. Valachi? Yeah, no, seriously, those guys were out of control. But nonetheless, once the Allies invaded uh, Italy in September of 1943, towards the end of the war, uh, Genovese doesn't quite flee yet. He, he sort of flies under the radar, but it won't last long because on August 27, 1944, the military police arrest him and eventually they extradite him back to the United States for the murder he had committed. Now, he goes, he goes through the ringer. He, I mean, he, he's, in, he's in, in court, out of court. Um, I believe he was held without bail. He might have got out on bail. I'm not 100% on that. All I do know is that eventually on June 10th, 1946, Genovese is dismissed on the Bassia murder. 
because uh, <laughs> no witnesses, no murder. You know how it goes. Yep. Even though that there were a bunch of people willing to testify, but hmm, somehow they just didn't make it to court, James. What do you think? Of, what do you think about that, James? That is, bro. That is. That <laughs> <laughs> is. How how is the Velocity Papers though? Now that I'm out, because I haven't gotten even to crack that book, so. I mean, it's pretty good. I mean, I have no complaints about it. I mean, I'm a first time reader. I mean, I love, you know, organized crime and stuff like that. Yeah. The first book yeah. I got into was The Wise Guys. The oh, Nicholas the Henry the Henry Hilbert, yeah, Nicholas Pelleggi. Yeah. yeah, that's the first book I ever read. But after that, I just took off and started with the Facebook groups and stuff like that. And see, for me, it was Google, man. Like I seen Goodfellas. I'd watch the behind the scenes. I'd I'd watch the. The uh, commentary with Henry Hill where he's sitting there talking. <laughs> and he's just breathing ridiculously heavy. Mm. That oh, whole bit. That, yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's fucked cigarettes up. even too much. Coked out. <laughs> the Winston's a day doing Belushi's and fucking. You wonder why you sound like that. It's funny, too, because during the commentary, like, Ed Marshall has to, because Ed Marshall does it with him. And uh, he has to keep him talking because Henry will just die out and watch the movie. Like, he, it just takes him back that much. You just hear him breathing. Like, all you hear in the mic is like. And Ed, <laughs> I didn't know. You didn't watch that? No, I, I've never seen that, actually, to be honest with you. Dude, if you have the Goodfellas DVD tonight when you want to fall asleep, like, I mean, it oddly puts you to sleep because you love this wise guy shit as much as I do. So it, you put you go into the uh DVD, like, special features. That's what it's called. Jesus Christ. And then you go to the uh, the commentary, and there will be the director and actor commentary, but then there's the crook and con commentary. And it's Ed Marshall, like, the guy who actually – he's actually in Goodfellas at the end when he's given – when he's talking to Ray Liotta and Lorraine Bracco, like, they're uh, Karen and Henry, and he's telling them about witness yeah. protection. That's the real guy who put Henry in witness protection. Yeah, the – I know I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you put yeah, that – and him and uh, Henry Hill actually do the commentary. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy, dude. It's crazy. And, dude, and Henry's so funny. You'll laugh. You'll laugh so hard. You'll love it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's get back to – um. Yeah, Vito Genovese. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't want to sit over, up. Over here going sidetrack. It's all right, man. We out here having fun. That's the, that's the best part about having people on with me is, like, when it's just me, I read through my bullet points so quick and, like – I do what I can to keep it like moving and keep it entertaining and all that. But like, there's nobody there to throw me off track and it kind of sucks. Cause then I finish and I'm all like, well, shit, that was only a 20 minute episode. That was only a 16 minute episode. So like, at least when I got people on, like we get into rants and like rambles, me and Ron Roach talked about the hell's angels for like 20 minutes the other night. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. No, I don't know if you heard, uh, listen to that one, the luck of the Irish episode 10, luck of the Irish wise guys hideaway yeah. privy it. If you, uh, if you haven't yet, not just, not just even my boy, James, Paul, whatever you want to go by. Uh, but just anybody. But anyhow, after the June 10th, 1946 uh, dismissal of Genovese for the, the Basia murder, he, uh, him and Costello almost instantly began kind of feuding for power. They one, they didn't like each other from the get go. I'm sure I'm sure almost anybody. Yeah. See, <laughs> I didn't even need to really explain it. They, they just weren't fans. Costello was more of a racketeer. He was more of a thinker. He was more of a brain. He I mean, I feel like Costello was probably more like Arnold Rothstein than any of the guys Arnold Rothstein trained, even though Luciano was kind of like his favorite son. I don't know. Yeah. That's just personal. That was personal opinion. But Frank Costello really seemed to take that whole racketeer, be a businessman, be smart, dress, you know, sharply, speak well, you know, all that. He took all that to heart. And he, I mean, other than the speaking well, but he had a really bad voice. So, 
he was a man of honor, to be honest with you. That's what he was. Ooh, that's Costello. That's what it. Yeah, and yeah. that's just my opinion. No, I agree. No, Costello was he did he did a favor for anybody who had done a favor for him. It, it, he, I mean, he actually, other than Angelo Bruno, I'm pretty sure Frank Costello spared more guys than he had whacked. And I mean, some people might view that as a sign of weakness, but I view that as a sign of like kind of understanding, like you're really in this to make money. You're not in this because you're trying to prove how big your dick swings. You're in this because like, <laughs> you know, no, for real. <laughs> yeah. Anytime, anytime all these guys are running around just killing people like crazy, your Roy DeMeos, your all that. I'm always thinking that like, they just are just so infatuated with the size of their penises. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, That's what, <laughs> what you just said, bro. I think of that. With uh, gas pipe Castle and Vic Amuso, with the, Ooh. the fall, with the, with the fall of the Lucchese family. That's just, yeah. When I, because when I read Gas Pipe, that was another sick son, son of a bitch. When I read that, yeah, book, that's a really was, good, that's a really good analogy, actually. He, I don't know. He he was just out there. <laughs> he was sadistic. <laughs> Let's just say that. How was how was that book? I never got to read that one either. You've definitely probably done more uh, reading than I have. I just watch a lot of documentaries. I, I got I got a lot of spare time at work, so. I mean, it was pretty good. There's really not a lot of good books, in my opinion, on the Luke Casey family. Um, other other good book on that is um, Ma Boss, The Little Al Diarco. Okay, okay, okay. See, I like the Mafia Prince about. Um, Phil, oh, what the fuck's his name? From Philly, Scarfo's nephew. Oh, uh, Philip Testa? No, 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 not Phil Testa. Phil Testa was uh, was good friends no, with Scarfo. No. Leonetti, Philip Leonetti. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I thought, the one that... I thought, yeah, the one who snitched on him. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that one was really good. But uh, moving right along here. So in 1953, Anna Genovese uh, finally decides she's going to divorce Vito. Uh, and that's actually where I read that little tidbit that like, cause at one point she sued him. She wanted money from him. Cause he, he fled to Italy and I don't believe he took her with him and he was just making immense amount of immense amounts of money. while he was just kind of leaving her in the dust, just leaving her to do whatever. I mean, I don't think Vito really cared about too much besides Vito. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you feel James, but I, that's just my personal opinion. Yeah. Vito's Vito, but he's my opinion. This is my opinion. Lucchese will always be my my favorite family, but other than that, my number one has to be Genovese. I mean, with Luciano, <laughs> with Luciano, yeah. with Lu- him starting it and everything like that, and then went to Costello, and then, yep. you know, you went to, that, that's where it all started with the Velocci papers and the attempted hit on Frank Costello, and you got the yeah, team coming I'm- in. Yep, on May second, nineteen fifty-seven, actually, the Vincent the Chinjagante, an up-and-comer in the Genovese family, and soon to be the future boss of the Genovese family. Not soon to be, but eventually the boss of the Genovese family, and one of my favorite bosses. The Odd Father is one of my. I fucking love him. I loved his bit. I loved how he did it. I thought he was brilliant. But nonetheless, Vincent the Chin, he attempts to kill Frank Costello by walking into his apartment complex. Frank's going to. I don't know if it's going to get go up the stairs or get in the elevator. I don't know. I've read both, so I just don't really know. But yeah, he's, this one's for you, Frank. And he shoots, bah, Mrs. Frank Costello. They go to court and Frank says he doesn't know who shot at him. And as he's walking out, Vincent, the chain, you know, thanks, Frank. Like, I fucking love that, man. What a start to the story of a boss. Like, <laughs> you're, you're totally right, bro. I mean, that's a man's man right there. That's what the definition of, of Omerta is. Just oh, 100%. Keeping your mouth shut. Just keeping your mouth Costello shut. Costello on the chin boat. 
Costello yeah. and the Chen boat. The Chen didn't give up who sent him. And Costello was like, I don't see the man who shot me in this room. Bullshit, you don't. Bullshit, you don't. <laughs> and you got to think about that, too. I mean, back in that day, they had all the judges and shit in their pockets. I mean. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All the, pol- all the politicians. So, I mean, even if he was convicted or, like, you know, anything like that, I mean, I'm pretty sure he would have gotten a life sentence or gotten off or anything, something like that. I mean. You, re- you really think so? I mean, that's. Yeah. I mean. That's See, I, I don't know. I don't know, man, because, like, I feel like, like, somebody like the Chen, I feel like Vincent would have let him do 20 fucking years. I really do. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, you are right. They had all the judges. They had all the politicians and stuff like that. But, it, I mean, that didn't mean that census still didn't get handed out. I mean, look at uh, Lucky Bookhalter. I mean, they put him down like a dog. He's the only mob boss to ever be executed. Yep. Granted, he wasn't Sicilian. He wasn't. But but the only mob boss that ever be executed, I mean, like they handed out fairly stiff sentences if you were a nobody, it seemed like, you know? Yeah, I mean, it just depends on what you read and what you research, because there's a lot of different opinions out there. Like, True. I, I mean, I see a lot of stuff. That's why I always try to verify it with the people, you know, like Danny or Jason or Vince. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or oh, Rob, Boston Rob, shout out Boston yeah. Rob. Yeah, shout out, shout out that boy Rob. Yeah, I need to get him on here, man. He keeps yeah. it, he keeps uh, old footing on me. Yeah, man. I mean, it'd be great if we can all do that. I mean, oh, just... we can all do it. Oh, I got I got all the equipment here, brother. I could link us all up. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, along with the botched hit on Frank Costello, it's I mean I mean Vito Genovese probably whacked around a hundred fucking guys, so I'm not gonna be able to name every single one. But I'm gonna name the notable ones. It's heavily alleged that Genovese, along with Albert Anastasia's underboss, future boss of the Gambino family, Carlo Gambino, which is just the Anastasia family taking over, uh, set up the hit on Anastasia on October 25th, 1957 in, uh, in the barbershop in the Park, uh, Park Sheridan Park Sheridan Hotel, yeah. Manhattan, I think. Yeah, okay, cool. I didn't have that one written down. I was hoping <laughs> I could do that one. Off. I told myself, I was like, you can do that one off the brain, man. You know this story well enough. And now I'm sitting here like, do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> Happens every fucking time, bro. But no, I don't know. You know who go, ahead, that, go ahead, brother. You know who they gave that hit to? Um, I just read the Carmine Persico book that just came out, and they gave that hit. They gave it to supposedly that they they said they gave it to Joey Gallo, Crazy Joe, and yeah, Larry. Yeah, and um, Junior Carmine Persico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's and that's right there, James Ramirez, Paul Ramirez, Paulie Walnuts, whatever you go by. That is why I don't fucking buy The Irishman. I'm going to rant about this movie until Scott Bernstein comes on and gives everybody the facts that I don't remember because it's it, his brain's just way bigger than mine. But do you know how in the movie they tried to portray it? Like, he killed yeah. Joey Gallo. That was Little Alley Boy Persico, bro. Little Alley Boy Persico is who killed Joey Gallo. So if you lied about killing Joey Gallo, why wouldn't you lie about killing Jimmy Hoffa? Come on. Good point. I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got a good point. That's, that's, that's the only reason I don't buy it. That's the only reason I don't buy it. That's, I, and I forget I forget the exact shooters Scott M. Bernstein says he thinks it could have been on the half a hit. And once again, everybody can only think because nobody was in the fucking house besides the people who did it. And nobody talked about it except Frank Sharon, who, who was a mob hitter for Russell Buffalino. I'm not denying him that. I'm denying him, him his two biggest hits that he claims fame on because Joey Gallo, that was Little Alley Boy Persco. That one's that one I'm not 100% on, but I'm 95% sure on. And then Jimmy Hoffa, it just it doesn't line up, man. It just doesn't line up. One, because they left Detroit out of that movie way too much. I got to give a shout-out yeah. to my home city. 
they yeah, like they Detroit had way more to play in that fact than that movie let on. They made it seem like all Tony Pro and all of that's not exactly how it went down. I'm sorry, man. You keep saying like you want to say something. I'm ranting. No, 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 you're good, bro. I'm just I'm going with you, bro. You're good. Trust me. Oh, okay. Oh, my bad. I'm I'm in rant mode here. That movie, like, Scott seen it before I did, and he made a big old post about how, like, it was kind of upsetting to him, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, ah, we'll see. We'll see. I love Scorsese. He's my favorite director. Goodfellas is my favorite movie, flat out. And Casino ranks up in my top ten, without a doubt. And so I was like, we'll see. And then I watched, and I was like, man, this is kind of a big slap in the face to Detroit. Because all they said about Tony uh, Giacalone was like a little tidbit like he it just kind of like gives a little a little bio on him during the movie like they do on angelo bruno i thought it was disrespectful to angelo bruno too how they did him like i didn't i didn't like how they did a lot of key figures that i've researched on that were definitely men's men in, in la cosa nostra and they just kind of breeze right over him in the movie i didn't like it i don't know i don't know well i mean i read the book the book was pretty accurate to the movie but like i'm with you bro they they left Detroit out of that that movie a lot, and I kind of felt disrespected because when because when that that movie first came out, I remember um, that boy Gunner he was he wrote yeah. like a Facebook post on it and he was just going off on it and saying like how it was just so stupid and it was so wrong and everybody should just boycott it. And I, <laughs> I agree with that. They should. I mean, Gunner's nuts. Gunner's fucking nuts. I love you, Gunner. But do you? <laughs> you get wild. <laughs> man but I, but i mean i do feel him though because like what what he was really getting at in that post is like he like he's trying to turn his book into a screenplay into a movie and to be a king's volume one and two would make a great like a great like a, a gangster saga type movie uh it wouldn't be based in like fact or anything like that it'd be more like a, a fictional realm of like gangsters based on gangsters type of thing you know kind of like a gangs new york or uh, the departed would be the best way to describe it but yeah, they give Martin Scorsese $26 million to make The Irishman. And it was just one big spit at the mafia, really, besides Tony Provisano and, like, a handful of other people. But, like, and I'm Irish, so I wish more than anything Frank Sharon wasn't a lying piece of shit. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's my opinion. He's a lying piece of shit. <laughs> but anyhow, anyhow, this podcast is not about Frank Sharon. Sorry, everybody. I get... I get to drink and I get to rant. We're going to get back to Vito Gentleman. <laughs> so after the Anastasia hit, uh, Gambino takes over for Anastasia and Anna, uh, and Genovese, you know, he's feeling real into himself and he's feeling so into himself that he decides he wants to start dictating what happens on the seats of the commission. Frank Costello's retired and left the Luciano family, AKA the Costello family, AKA what is now and probably will forever be the Genovese family in Vito's hands, and Vito sets up one of the biggest mob meetings of all times, you guys. I'm talking about fucking Appalachian. I'm talking mm-hmm. Appalachian. Now, my guy. 100%. My, he says, my guy. Now, November 14th, 1957, Gino, 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 Jesus Christ, I need to lay off the beers. Vito Genevieve <laughs> is Appalachian meeting. I mean, it, it just goes down in flames. James, you want to give us a little insight about the Appalachian meeting and, like, kind of shitfall that it was? It was just the shitfall, to be honest with you, shitfall. Um, local cops just saw a bunch of mob figures. They were curious to know. I mean, I'm not – I don't really have too much information on it, but what I read and from what the sources I've – picked up on was that Vito Genovese he set up the Appalachian meeting he, he set it all up but yeah he didn't know 
He did. He did. But yeah, other than that, I mean, it was just a shit fall, to be honest with you. Just because. So what? So what happens is a couple. Uh, a couple. Of, I, I believe it was Buffalo mobsters. They pull an Appalachian. Appalachians. Everybody thinks just because something's in New York, it's fucking New York City. And as anybody like Paulie G, shouts out Paulie G out there in New York, how you doing? As any of them can tell you, as soon as you get out of New York City and, like, if you're not in Buffalo, it's just like anywhere else, man. It's just like driving around my neck of the fucking woods in Michigan. It's the middle of fucking nowhere. There's trees, 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 more trees, a highway and a gas station. Like, that's it. And a couple of wise guys from Buffalo, they pull in the Appalachian, they stop at a gas station and... I do believe like a local just like beat cop kind of sees they see the big Cadillacs, they see the shiny rings, they see the guy, you know, the suits. I mean, back in these days, these guys are making it real evident who the fuck they are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like standing out. Yeah, they're not yeah, they're not hiding, but yeah, you're standing out like a sort of everyone's wearing plaid shirts and you got a two thousand dollar, you know, fucking Armani suit on. Like, come on now. And anyways, he sees them fill up, so he kind of follows them, he tails them, he tails them to a house, uh, the sort of off the beaten path in Appalachian, uh, I do believe it was Vito's house. I'm not 100% on that. It could have just been some stowaway. Yeah, but I think all it was the major stowaway. Because was it just some stowaway? Yeah, it was just stowaway because they set up that meeting to pretty much inaugurate Carlo Gambino as the head boss of the Gambino family. That's what that Oh, true, was. true, true. And and uh, whoever was supposed to be that took over Buffalo, I forget the name yeah. now, but you're right. It was, yeah, they were, they were inaugurating Carlo Gambino. And then there was a Buffalo boss that was taking over. I feel bad. I can't remember his name. I hope I see it in the comments when somebody's running me up and down for my facts being wrong. Yeah. <laughs> for real. Shout out to everybody. <laughs> yeah. Shout out. Yeah. yeah. No, for real. Shout out to whoever, whoever yeah. calls it out. Don't, don't hold no punches. We can take it. We can <laughs> take real. it over here. At By the way, man, I'm just here having fun, drinking, and trying to stay quarantined, man. But nonetheless, the meeting gets busted up. And I mean, like, a lot of key mob figures are taken in, or, I mean, they're trucking through the woods and their $2,000 Vioni shoes, getting them all mucked up. I mean, you got all sorts of henchmen getting busted. Nobody knows what the fuck to do. And it was really, I mean, I don't know. It, it, I guess this is debatable. James, tell me what you think. I would say that Appalachian's the first time in American history that we couldn't deny anymore that there was organized crime, that they did have a, that they did have a seat of commission, that they did have sort of like a kind of like a government amongst themselves. And like, I, we just, we couldn't deny it anymore. And it was, I, I agree with you, bro, but how do I put this? Oh, don't agree with me. Don't, don't come in with that, but tell me how it no, is, no, James. No, we, no, because I agree with you. Dog, get at me. But because in a way too, I mean, I look at the Velocity papers and I think to myself, <laughs> you know, before Joe Velocity testified, and the Appalachian meeting went down, you would think that, like, the mafia exists. Like, you would think that with J. Edgar Hoover and, you know, but he was still in denial until Velocci testified and saying that, you know, Genovese was the top, you know, top of the top of bosses and shit like that. That's when J. Edgar Hoover pretty much said, there is, and we got to, you know, take it down. And he was just embarrassed by it, so... Right. He's like, well, okay, it turns out that there is organized crime and we have to, <laughs> I just, I picture everybody in the 1950s sounding that way on TV. Every yeah. time I watch, every time I watch anything from the 50s, they're always like, an organized crime killed 17 today in a mass slaughter and like only three died. Like, they don't, they're always trying to weigh up, play it. But no, I agree, man. Like, J. Edgar Hoover, he tried to sweep the mob underneath the rug for as long as he could. When he did set up the FBI, they went after Dillinger, they went after Bonnie Clyde, Machine Gun Kelly, Pretty Boy Floyd, Babyface Nelson. 
like little Midwest, nobody non-connected bank robber, mass murdering gangsters like that. They didn't go after Capone. They didn't go. I mean, they eventually would. Don't get me wrong, but they didn't go. They didn't go after the big fish in that era. And in my, he just kind of go ahead. Go ahead. No, in my no, no, no. You, you, you. In my opinion, bro, I I believe that the mob had Hoover in his pocket. Like they would, they just had him in his pocket. Like they would extort him. You know do anything, give him money, you know, bribes, whatever it could be. They That's why they got away with it. Until JFK came in and Robert Kennedy came in and saying, you know what, we got to set up the, what do you call it? The, Organized crime yeah. task force. Yeah, there you go. Um, and that's, that's was, not what it's called, everybody. I don't remember what it's called either, but that's, that's what we're going to call it for this episode of Wise Guys Hideaway. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh, you're good. I, I be cutting people off all the time like an asshole. No, you were saying how like Jagger Hoover. Like, do you think do you uh do you think that they paid him or do you think they scared him? I, I could never I can never break down. I believe I want it. In my opinion, I believe they scared him. Like they they were intimidating him. Like you know that we exist, but you know what? Just keep your mouth shut. But right, until, if you know what's good for you, yada, yada. Yeah, until I I honestly believe that until. The Kennedys came in because the Kennedys go way back, all the way back to, you know, prohibition because the father yeah. of John F. Kennedy, he was he used to run liquor and molasses with, I forgot his name. Oh, the Sam Giancana. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I mean, until they all got an office and they wanted to bring the mob down and everything and then the whole JFK conspiracy comes in. Well, who really killed them? Was it, you know, the mob, you know, you know, was it the Russians? You know, CIA, was it... CIA who yeah. was it? Right. Who done it? That's the biggest who done it in American history, I think. Because you got to remember, too, at that time, um, that's when, like, the Irishman came out. Not... I'm sorry. No, you can. Don't apologize. Just get your thoughts together and you good. But just, but yeah, <laughs> anyway. You know, you all right, man. You all right. No, I, I feel you though. Like, like J. Edgar Hoover, he kind of puts a blind eye to the mob. The Kennedys come in and Joseph Kennedy gets Sam Giancana and Tony Arcado to really back his election. You know, they, they fucking get him elected. And then JFK makes his brother the secretary of defense. Now, Bobby Kennedy already been giving the mob the business for years. You know what I mean? Like, and then you're going to make him the Secretary of Defense. Like, I mean, it was a no-brainer that, that yeah. Kennedy was going to go. But he really did try to do some good. Yeah, he did. But that's just when it, that's just when it, the mob really took off after that. I mean, after the JFK oh, thing, yeah. I mean, yeah. you, had, you had everything. You have that. No, that's a good argument. Most definitely is that, like, Appalachian would be, like, the first, like, oh, shit, the mob is a real thing. They really do have. And then, like, the JFK assassination, the conspiracies instantly started swarming because, uh, Jack Ruby kills Lee Harvey Oswald in jail, and Jack Ruby was a New Orleans gangster. So, I mean, yeah. you're absolutely right on that. You're absolutely he, right. He was actually a Dallas gangster. Um, he was oh, Dallas. My bad. My bad. My uh, bad. He was based in Dallas. You're thinking of um, Carlos Carlos Marcelo. Marciano. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Marcelo. Yeah, yep. that's who it was because Marcelo, he hated JFK. Like, he hated him because um, his brother, JFK's brother, wanted to, uh, wanted to deport him. For all the yeah, shit that he's yep, yep. doing. 
Because and he wasn't a citizen. That was the yeah. thing about Carlos. He wasn't. A, I don't think he ever got uh, his citizenship. Nope, he didn't. That's yep. Now back back to good old Vito. We keep sidetracking, but I love it. I don't care. We at Wise Guys Hideaway. We talking Wise Guy shit, so it works. Eventually, Genovese's luck would run out. All the things he would do in his life would come to a head, and he would be convicted on April seventeenth, nineteen fifty nine, and given fifteen years. Now it'd be during this fifteen years that um, uh, Ramirez, my buddy Ramirez here, James Paul Polly Walnuts, keeps bringing up the Valachi papers. It's during this stint that Joe Valachi is given the kiss of death by Vito. Am I right? Yep. Yeah, he gave him the kiss of death. But according to the book, from what I've read, it was saying that well, Valachi stated that they don't do that anymore. That after, because one of his one of the cellmates like caught. Caught Vito giving Veloci the kiss of death, and he whispered it to Veloci and said that was the kiss of death. And Veloci just brushed it off and said, "You know, it is what it is." So Veloci gets so paranoid that he kills a wrong man. Oh yeah, he kills yeah. The wrong man, but I'm sidetracking. But they don't. No, do you're good, kiss, bro. But they don't do the kiss of death anymore. They don't. That's just out. No. Yeah, they don't because. Luciano, he said that it would make them look, you know, not right. It wouldn't make them stand out. Just Well, I mean, it also kind of gives somebody a fucking warning. You know, here's this cold-blooded son of a bitch who's maybe kissed me on my cheek twice in my life. Once when I first got inducted and once when I did something real good for him. Now we're in the worst part of our life. He kisses me on the cheek. I know what the fuck's going down. I'm not a fucking idiot. I mean, <laughs> if anybody, I mean, everybody's seen The Godfather 2 with Fredo and Michael. I mean. Yeah, yeah. When he ki- yeah, when he kisses it, and it broke my heart. Yeah, you broke and it my broke heart, my man. heart, James. <laughs> you broke my heart, and you broke my heart. You gotta get him with the Al Pacino if you're gonna do the Pacino. You gotta do it right. Somebody give me a cup of coffee. Hey, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, though, uh, eventually, even after the Balachi papers and all that, Vito Genovese will always go down as an immense legend in organized crime. So much so that one of the five families in New York still holds his fucking name. Nobody's ever even tried to contest his name. He was that he was that ruthless of a son of a bitch. But even ruthless sons of bitches got to go. And on yeah. February 14, 1969, unlike a lot of, uh, you know, probably the, I'd say Vito killed probably 100 people. Out of the 100 people who met Vito who uh, got it with strangulation, stabbing, shooting, or however else he took them out, Vito got to die naturally of a heart attack. Now, granted, he still had to die in prison in Springfield, Missouri, but he didn't. He didn't go. But he made it. He made it. (laughs) He didn't go out there. The easy way. He went the hard way. He didn't go out the hard way. Yeah, he went suffering. Yeah, you just win. No, I feel you, man. But there's always been something about these guys that make it to the end of their run and die of natural causes that just – it just gives me like a weird tingle in my spine. Because every time I read about a guy who got snuffed out or who ratted and lived, I'm not surprised. But every time I read about a son of a bitch who like they lived a life – and not even like Oni Madden where Oni left like in his mid-30s, early 40s, and he just ditched organized crime, left Manhattan, moved to fucking Hot Springs, Arkansas, and just started living his life. <laughs> Vito lived that gangster life from the day he was born till the day he died. And he died naturally. <laughs> That's what you call oh, him. Shit. That's a gangster, bro. A gangster. Nothing. Much Nothing. Much Nothing. Yeah, I mean, and Sammy the Bull. He was a gangster. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy the Bull. <laughs> that, dude, we, we that's the goal. It. I don't care what. 
I don't care what nobody says about me. The goal is for me to be like, welcome to that Wise Guys Hideaway. I got a very special guest today. Sammy, say what's going on. He'll be like, what's going on? That's the goal, bro. That's the end of the run. I'll retire after that, James Ramirez. Keep calling us here. Shout out to my boy James Ramirez for being on here with me. I got to give a big shout out to Vito Genovese for being such a ruthless son of a bitch. Big shout out to the whole Genovese family, because I know you guys are still on Facebook. You're still out there. You're doing your things. I appreciate your grandfather, your great-grandfather, all the history behind your family. Big shout-out to Art Thing Clothing Apparel, Scott M. Bernstein, all the guys in the Facebook groups. James, say goodbye to everybody. Till next time, everybody. Shout-out to everybody. Just want to give a shout-out to my brother, uh, my sister, my nephews. Um, rest in peace to Nipsey Hussle. He died today. Um I hope everybody's just doing good out there. I mean, hang in there. We can all get through this. I mean, my man, still blowing, still blowing that. <laughs> he says you're not alone. You're Thanks not for joining alone. me, James. Anytime, but hey, just just another um, thing too, bro. Um, there's the Genovese family is still like ranked number one. Like they're to this day, like they're still ranked. Like, are they? As, yeah, they're still ranked as like the top echelon of organized crime. Um, oh shit! The the new boss Barney Bolimo. If I butchered it, I'm sorry. But shout out Barney Bolimo. Keep doing your gangster shit, so I can do an episode about you one day. He started off as a capo, but according to a couple of sources that I've read, he just rose up through the ranks. He just did his thing, and he went from acting boss, and then when the chin died in 2005. I guess the commission just made him boss, and he was – he did his thing. <laughs> another, <laughs> another thing is, too, is um, the Genovese family doesn't have a lot of uh, informants like the other families do. Like, you know, the no, Fimbo, they don't. That, that, yeah, the Lucchese – I think the Lucchese's have the most. Yeah, I believe so. And then there's – of course, there's Sammy the Bull. The oh, Sammy the Bull. But, yeah, Sammy the Bull. <laughs> the other – the other shit. You good? You good? What's up? Now the other informant for the for the family, his name was um Vincent the Fish Cafro. I'm sorry if I bitch with that. Okay. No, that sounds good. That sounded that sounded pretty legitimate. But after the commission trial, he basically said that, you know, Fat Tony was, you know, the boss of the Genovese family, and that's pretty much what put an end to um, Fat Tony's ring. Yeah, Fat Tony's ring, and then you know, here comes the Odd Father, which he helped. The Odd Father. Yeah. But shout out to everybody, though. Thanks for putting me on. To this, yeah. Bro. Shout out to everybody. No problem, dog. No problem, man. We gonna we gonna do Tommy Lucchese together, and then we probably gonna redo Costello and Luciano together because I got some complaints that Vito got two episodes and Costello only got one, Luciano only got one, so. We might have to double back and do some uh, double backing, if you will. But I, th- I appreciate you joining. Hey, anytime, bro. I mean, let me know, bro, and we can get a couple more in. Um, I can start, you know, just doing research, looking up sources, you know, asking people. Well, let, let's do that, Tommy Lucchese next. All right. I got, uh, I got, I got two episodes before Tommy, but Tommy's coming up, so let's do that, Tommy Lucchese, in like two episodes. I'm not gonna set a date because then I never, ever, ever stick to the date because apparently I'm just an. <laughs> Yep, I'm right there with you, bro. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) My brother, take it easy, James. Take it easy, everybody out there. We love you. Everybody from Wise Guys Hideaway, 